We're back with Around the League from UGASports.com, week one of the college football season. We talk about the SEC on this show. Typically on this channel, it's all about the Georgia Bulldog, but we look across the conference using Coach Donnan and his knowledge. He's coached with a lot of these uh, coaches around the league. He knows them. He worked with them in media. Brent does pro football focus, and I kind of guide the ship and make this happen. We're presented by Breda Pest Management. They are the uh, pest control team that helps serve Sanford Stadium, Segment Coliseum. When it comes to UGA and pest management, Breda Pest Management is uh, where you need to go. They can work on your house as well. And also Connor Grading and Landscaping. We will talk about both of those throughout the show. But coaches, we're recording this. We have SEC football tonight, and it's the Florida Gators playing at Utah. It was a great game last year. How do you see it shaping out this year? And just overall for Florida, what do you think about the Gators? Well, right off the bat, Cam Rising's not going to play tonight, supposedly, uh, based on what info I'm getting from the, the guys out there that I talked to uh, yesterday. Uh, see, that's the insight you get with around the league. I, I got some people on the site. But realistically, that is a big, big hit for him because he, you know, was one of the premier quarterbacks in the country. But they do have some other guys, and their, their defense is good against the run, which Florida's going to have to be a good running team. I don't see them throwing the ball with their receivers that, that well, but it should be a, a you know interesting game to see if if Austin Armstrong can help that Florida Gator defense. A lot of new faces on the team. Uh, I got to pick the Utes there at home. They you know they've only lost uh, several you know few games in the last five years, and they last year they were like five and one against the spread at home. So I'm going with the Utes. Utah's a five-point favorite in that game. That's an 8 o'clock kickoff on ESPN. At the same time, Missouri Tigers, Brent, playing at home against South Dakota. And I know Coach has been a little higher on Missouri than maybe national media. What have you seen in your prep for Missouri? Well, they're ninth. Like, in terms of uh, – I think ESPN puts out their returning production metric. Missouri's ninth in the FBS in terms of returning production. A lot of guys coming back. Now, obviously, they lost Dominic Love to Georgia, but Luther Burden back to kind of – take a step up there. The biggest thing for me is like Drinkowicz has, he's had solid teams, but it's five and five, three and five, three and five in the sec. Is he going to be any better? And you know, now he's obviously got a little bit more recruiting momentum uh, with some of the wins that they've had recently in recruiting, but at a certain point you have to actually start winning games. So can they take that experience and that returning production and can Brady cook, maybe even take a step up this year to where, Hey, you compete for that, second, maybe even third spot in the SEC East. Yeah, I would just point out, too, there that uh, they need to get this win. they got to play Kansas State next week, uh, a team that's picked right up there to win the Big 12. So uh, that coupled with their uh, conference schedule. But uh, I would point out that something we said on our own show is if, if Missouri could some way get it rolling enough to keep Drinkowitz's job, the way they're recruiting, they worry me future-wise, but, you know, we'll see more about them about the middle of October or November, see what's happening with them. And at least get Kansas State and LSU at home. Those are the uh, two games in the SEC on Thursday. I'm going to jump ahead to what I consider the game of the week, really in college football, but especially in the SEC. And coach the LSU Tigers on Sunday get Florida State, but they do it without Mason Smith, former five-star defensive tackle suspended for the game. Do you see LSU doing what it couldn't do last season and finding a way to beat Florida State to start the year? 
Well, go back and watch that tape last year. You know, LSU couldn't get out of their own way. They couldn't kick field goals, extra points. Had a lot of penalties. Uh, for them to lose a home game like that was, you know, very you – know, you would have thought, I think Brent and I said off the air, it looks like LSU's going to have a rough year with that kind of production that they were showing. But they really put it together and got a lot of momentum. I think there's a little fool's goal in that LSU team right now, though, based on a couple wins at the end of the year. Uh, they still got a, some massive issues that they got to come about as far as just depth. Their overall talent's good. Uh, I don't see them to be quite the favorite that a lot of people do in the West, but they're going against the Florida State team that's really made a really big turnaround personnel-wise. And uh, quarterback's going into his sixth year. Uh, he had a good year last year. And uh, I think he could – along with the other guys that they got in their lineup, I think they're the kind of team that's going to give LSU trouble. How about you, Brent? Very much so. And when we, I just mentioned Missouri and returning production, number one in that returning production met, uh, metric, Florida State. Like everybody, for the most part, is back. And then you add the, the Coleman kid transfer from Mich Michigan State. And that's what's interesting about this game is Florida State is going to test what I think is LSU's weakness, their secondary, because a lot, you, know, you get a lot of transfers playing in the secondary again for LSU. But it's – it's sort of does Florida State's depth there and also returning production versus and with Jared versus an edge rusher versus the two now sophomore tackles. But the LSU with the sophomores they have with, you know, eventually Mason Smith with Harold Perkins, the two tackles. Like if those guys take more leaps forward and play even better than they already have, like that might sort of hold them true. But the interesting thing about the game, though, is I don't know that it really matters in the grand scheme of things, as long as it's not a blowout either way. Because if LSU wins, great. You're supposed to, you're the SEC big dog. You're supposed to beat the ACC. You know, but if LSU loses, they run the table in the SEC, they're just fine. If Florida State loses, they run the table in the ACC, win at Clemson, win the ACC championship, they're just fine. I think it matters a little more for Florida State, but in the end, it might not matter at all. Yeah, the only thing I would say about that, when you get that one L early in the year and you look at that gauntlet at LSU's got to go play at Bama that's going to have a burr in their saddle for them, uh, it, it's going to be very difficult to run the table, like you say. But you, if you do, you're okay. But, uh, boy, you know, that's what worried me about playing Clemson that first game a couple years ago or Oregon last year. You know, you get, get behind the eight ball. But it's going to lose your mulligan. You it's lose that non, mulligan. It's basically. a non-conference game but it's going to be at a neutral site there so we'll see how neutral those fsu fans are down there in orlando y'all know more than me how has florida state turned this around with its roster because mike norvell was a bit of a dead man walking in that job pretty recently what 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 do you usually put into a bank <laughs> all right then <laughs> thank I mean, you sir. There's a reason Jordan Travis and Jared Verse and all those guys came back. I will they say that. Really big commitment to recruiting the NIL, uh, the transfer portal. They, they probably, next to Ole, Ole Miss, probably got as many transfers as anybody, don't they, Brent? And yes. They just, uh, and, and I've always been impressed with uh, Norvell as a coach. I mean, he's a really good – in Memphis, they moved the ball around. And uh, the personnel was low when he got there. I mean, they – you know, we watched – that first year struggle, but uh, they're taking advantage of the fact that Miami and Florida are down. I mean, any way you look at it, Miami had some horrendous losses last year. Florida had a losing season. 
and you, you're winning and you win your bowl game, you can kind of catapult that. And if you look at the history of Florida football, the state of Florida, it's always been one team right there and the other two behind it. You look at the great Jimmy Johnson teams, the Erickson teams, the, the Bobby Bowden teams, the Furriers teams. There's always one kind of up there. And right now the Gators are sucking trying to get back up in there. And Miami, they're, they're hoping they can. But uh, I think Florida State's got a little trench there right now. Yep. And the leap, the quarterback, like the other thing, like the quarterback finally took a big leap forward because it was kind of – couple different guys for a while and then Travis kind of took the job to hold and took that leap forward with them as well another neutral site game of note around the league North Carolina coach your, your buddy Mac Brown against South Carolina in Charlotte I think we all know the quarterback situation in this game both of these are high profile guys that have played college football for a while what are you seeing in the battle of the Carolinas it's just a great opener for both teams it's going to give you a good indicator because um kind of different at the end of the year. South Carolina finished on a high, even though they lost to Notre Dame, those two big wins, beating their state rival Clemson and then beating that Tennessee team at the, who at that point was undefeated, uh, except the loss to uh, George, excuse me, but uh, was on a real roll. So Carolina lost their last four games uh, and lost a tough game to Oregon. But I think it's just going to be a question of which team can uh, avoid the big mistake because both of them are going to move the ball. And uh, you, you probably can't miss your turn because I'm going to see a lot of points here. Drake May, very impressive, and he carried that team on his back. Had very little defense last year. Rattler, you going to get the cool, the cool hand Luke Rattler or you going to get the shaky Rattler? I mean, which one are you going to get? Uh, what do you think, Brent? I mean, I think you're going to get a little bit of both from each quarterback. Because I don't think North Carolina really has the weapons that they had last year on the outside. And also South Carolina, what's amazing, you, you talked about the momentum that they had in ending the season. Well, then three of their best players leave. Like Jordan Birch is now at Oregon. Jaheim Bell is now at Florida State. Marshawn Lloyd is now at USC. Like if those three guys were back, hey, now you're really rolling. So like you know, people talk about Georgia's running back depth and worries in their running back room. Well, how about South Carolina? Like it's – Former quarterback and a you know another guy who didn't really is more on the smaller stature. Depth is an issue there for them. But the biggest thing for me with this game is I'm actually really intrigued to see what they do with the the Harbor kid, the true freshman, the you know six four, six five, two hundred thirty pound kid that's a you know ten two hundred guy. Like how do they use him offensively? Can can he actually be a playmaker in the league? I think that's going to be one of the funnest parts about the game. But you're right, I think it is going to be back and forth, a lot of high, a lot of scoring. And we're going to need to see how quick uh, Chiswick, the defensive coordinator, can get a beat on the new new coordinator at South Carolina. Uh, Dow Loggins uh, is coming. I don't know how to pronounce his name for sure, but he came in from Arkansas. Is he going to run that uh, Baylor-type stuff with the wide splits, or is he going to do the stuff he did in the pros, uh, you know, more condensed formations and things like that? So interesting chess match in that game. We're really excited on Around the League this year to have Breda Pest Management as a part of our team supporting us. And they are the official pest control of Georgia Athletics. Uh, they've been partners of UGA for a while, family-owned business since 1975. You can go to BredaPest.com and make it where they come out to your house and get all the critters and the things you don't want around your house and around your home tailgate away from there. Breda Pest Management, they say uh, only the sun outshines their service. Help me this summer with the millipedes. 
through the dog vent. That's what, the power of the dog vent. So we thank Breda, Pest Manager, for joining us for this season. Rest of the matchup, guys, I look at this and I say this is a bit of a season preview, and I think all of these are heavy favorites in the other direction. Brent, I want to start with you with Alabama playing Middle Tennessee at home. Bama's a 38.5 point favorite if you care about point spreads on that. Overall, though, I think the question is what's the quarterback rotation, if there is one, who's the starter? And it sounds like I hear more and more about Milrow being the guy. Yeah, and I think it should just from a talent perspective. But I, I don't – this is one where I just – I don't understand any of what preseason hype and the picking of Bama to win the SEC and win the national champion. Like, I don't understand that at all, like zero. Because seven of their eight highest-graded players are gone, included in that Bryce Young, Will Anderson, Jameer Gibbs, multiple first-round picks. And in addition to that, now you got quarterback questions. Like, so you're saying that you're going to pick Bama because Nick Saban's mad and motivated? Because of what you know, DP said to him at the end of the national championship game, he's motivated. That dude's motivated every day of his life. Like he, he's you know, neurotic in terms of how he works all the time. Like this is going to be more motivation this year. I just, I don't get it. I'm, I will say this: one big thing for me with Bama, outside the quarterback questions, is I, I do think that Tommy Reese being their offensive coordinator now is better for them for this season than if Bill O'Brien were their offensive coordinator. They put so much in Bryce Young's hands a year ago, that if he wasn't phenomenal, they would have been a seven-win team. And can they get back to sort of previous to that Alabama style and I think maybe let their depth of talent take over a little bit? That's the biggest question that I'm wanting to see from them this year. Yeah, I can see this with Bama that is a little comforting. Their O and D line seem to be better. They should be better running the ball and stopping the run. Uh, new defensive coordinator as well. Milrow gives you a Jalen Hurts type guy that can can run the uh, RPOs and is very uh, physical. Plus, he's one of the fastest quarterbacks in the country. You, you just don't have guys with that kind of speed playing quarterback. So, uh, but they're going against a Middle Tennessee uh, shock. The coach, uh, you know, stock. I mean, I call him uh, stock stuff. He said, uh, Coach Stock is really a, an excellent coach. He beat Miami last year. They've had a lot of big wins, upsets. Uh, they're not a lay-down team. You're going to have to play. They're going to be well-prepared. They're going to be uh, tough to beat. That'll be hard to beat that spread in that game. The spread in the other game in Alabama, Auburn a 35-point favorite against UMass. But, Coach, UMass did win its first game. I'm not saying they can <laughs> play with Auburn, but I don't even know it was an Auburn's team at this point. Hey, well, last week we kidded about the Philip fight of the week with UMass and New Mexico State, but let's give UMass credit. I mean, they hadn't been able to score, uh, you know, even a few points over the last couple of years, made a dramatic improvement. You know, Don Brown, the coach that was a Michigan defensive coordinator, is the head coach there now. He's got a lot of ties in Massachusetts. They probably got a few transfers that they wouldn't have gotten because of his tutelage and his knowledge. Uh, they'll be well prepared and they'll play hard. Uh, you know, they're just going to get outmatched. But I will remind you when, when Harson played one of his first home games and they played against Georgia State, went down to the wire. They barely won that game. I don't think they're going to run up and down the field on uh, UMass. Like, you know, two weeks ago, I would have thought that, but I was, after watching UMass, this will be a game where Auburn just can't throw out their. Uh, their helmets, they're going to have to play a little bit against this team. 
I did cover one Gus Malzahn team that should have lost to Jacksonville State, and they came back to beat them in overtime. So it does seem like one of these kind of can slip up on Auburn. One of the worst call games, as good as Jacksonville State played, they they just really took the gas calling plays there once they got to the end. If they would have just kept the hammer down and played, hey, we got a chance to win it, let's play to win. They were playing to try to hold on, and they could have won that game. Okay, I thought Brent was going somewhere with that. We're going to skip over Georgia. There's plenty on this channel for Georgia previews and UT Martin. We'll talk about them uh, as the season goes along for what it means for Georgia in the East. Brent, I want to go to you for the Tennessee Volunteers, 28-point favorite against Virginia. It is a Power 5 matchup, but that spread indicates it shouldn't be very close. No, and it's when we think about this from a season preview standpoint with Tennessee – when you're really bad, defense is more experienced. Are they still really bad, or do they actually become good to solid? And I think that's the question for me uh, with Tennessee. You got a lot of people back uh, from a defensive standpoint with them. Offensive line, for the most part, other than the uh, right, the first round pick is back. Running backs are back. You know, you got a few of the receivers back. Does Joe Milton play efficiently with any offense? Because I think that was the biggest thing with Hooker was that he didn't turn the ball over. And if he does, you know, this, does their defense take a step up? And if they do, then, hey, all right, they're going to be a, a force to be reckoned with, I think, a little bit in the, in the SEC. But if not, if the defense is – if it's just more experience it means it's still bad, then they're going to be in trouble. Or they're going to they're gonna win the games they should, but not win the games that they shouldn't in a way, I guess is the best way of saying that. Yeah, real big point quickly on the UT, uh, I think – Superior coaching, the job that Josh has done there. But uh, you just look at their personnel. Uh, you got to have some stars. Maybe Milton will be one. Maybe Rue McCoy. But no, not one first team All Conference preseason player on any any uh, any of these either the coaches or the or the uh, media. So that to me in itself, I mean, you got to have some players. I mean, you just can't out coach people. And the system is one thing. Virginia right now is low personnel-wise. If your quarterback left and playing at NC State, uh, they've got a transfer quarterback in there. But um, they don't have any semblance even looking close to what Clemson did, where the coach came from. Uh, they looked terrible at the end of last year, just went backwards all year. And then, of course, they had that horrendous tragedy of on the campus where the players were shot. So – they weren't able to finish up the season, and rightfully so. They should have called it off. But I look for Virginia to be one of the lower teams in the ACC. So, Coach, one question about that scheme part with with Heupel. Given, like, if you look at sort of their numbers, as, like overall, it's like forty five points a game with him, especially the last two years with with Hooker. SEC opponents, it's like forty three game, and then against Georgia, it's fifteen a game. Like, do you think Heupel over the off season really went and looked? It's like, hey, how can I evolve my offense a little bit to where that one opponent doesn't necessarily drag me down every year? Do you think they did that? Or they're just like, hey, my system's good. I just needed to execute better in those games. Yeah, I think a little bit of both. You don't want to just kind of take away what your strengths are and, and try to build it around beating one team. But their number one issue with Georgia is the protection. Uh, guys in Hooker's face, uh, sacks, uh, they've got to do a better job of even, you know, four-man pressures they had a hard time with. And and Georgia, uh, you know, showed what you and I and, and Dane had talked about. 
you got to play some man on these guys once in a while. You just can't let them throw these RPOs and all. And that helps their running game because they throw the RPOs if, if they're set. But if you're not, you can run the ball. The biggest thing that Georgia did, too, was they didn't give them any easy plays except there at the end of the game. And you can talk about the rain or whatever you want to, but the rain helped Tennessee as much as it did Georgia because Georgia cut the water off. Kirby had that lead and he set on it. So uh, I think it's a good question. You always look at, at what won for you and what got you beat. I would think pass pro, they got to work on you, – you're going to have to have something besides just these normal pass protection against Georgia. Coach, I don't think you're going to see much of this Tennessee game because at the same time on the SEC Network, Kentucky and Ball State, and I know you're a coach, so you're always looking ahead to Georgia's next opponent, and that will be Ball State. They are 26.5-point underdogs against Kentucky, but having to play SEC East the first two weeks, pretty rough start to their season, I think, coming. Yeah, I mean, I want to jump on this Kentucky team. I've been trying to jump on them since uh, Caesar went over to Rubicon. Every time I start thinking about they're going to do this, but I'm not going to give them too much love. But I do feel like they got an excellent quarterback, maybe better than the one they had. Uh, they're, they they got to get their old line going. Uh, Brent told our player, uh, our fans on around the league last year before they even played a game how good their receivers are, and he was right on about that. Uh, so we, what you know, their defense has been solid consistently, but uh, can their offense manufacture the points to to go against the teams that they're going to score on their defense? You know, they've won the games they're supposed to win most of the time, and lose the ones they aren't. I mean, he's under five hundred in the SEC after ten years. I mean, he's done a lot of good things up there, but you know, it comes a point. 0-10 against Georgia. I mean, you finally beat Florida and uh, a couple of times. And, but, but to me, they have the biggest composite of players to threaten Georgia in the East. How do you feel about that, Brent? I like it, and I like it for – in addition to the player component, I think uh, he definitely – Stoops definitely said, okay, I screwed up with that hire. I need to go back to the guy that I had the previous year in terms of the offensive coordinator. And bringing Liam Cohn back from the NFL, I think it was a massive win for them and their program. I think it's going to help Leary, uh, the transfer from NC State, big time. Them getting Ray Davis from Vanderbilt at running back. Like, they have receivers, Key and Brown. I, I think that – because even if you look at, like, just Levis from year to year, the difference with the OC and the, the way I can look at it, too, is some of his players, you know, not having Wondell Robinson, things like that, but – if you look at percentage of open or wide open throws that Levis had two years ago with Cohen as the OC, it was like 62%. It was one of the best in the power five. And then last year it was down in the low fifties. It was one of the sort of lower part of the power five. So scheme big time will be improved. Play calling I think will be improved for Kentucky and that will help them. And like coach said, potentially be the one that bumps up there to second place in the East. I agree with both of you, but I don't know that we're going to have full indications of that until about midway through the season. Let me tell you Kentucky's schedule to start. Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, at Vandy. So that should be a 4-0 heading to Florida. Vandy could be a little tough. I think Vandy's better than a lot of people. Think Vandy beat them last year. They did. Um, watch out for those Eastern Kentucky Colonels, too. I mean, they've taken uh, Kentucky to overtime before. So, uh, But you're right. Their, their schedule is – is kind of a cream puff early on. Uh, it'll be interesting as uh, the season progresses 
how their offensive line develops. I think having a back like Ray Davis, who didn't have a lot of running room last year at Vanderbilt, but made a lot of yards pre-contact. Boy, I just think uh, that was a big lick for them picking him up. He is uh, a good player. It's a uh, it's going to make their team look better. What can make your house look better is if you call our friends over at Connor Grading and Landscaping. ConnorGrading.com is where you can find this gallery that I'm showing on the screen of the things that they can do, whether it's a walkway paver situation. Maybe you want to install a little putting green in your backyard. Maybe you want a planter. Connor Grading and Landscaping can move the earth in your backyard and make it look great. I don't have to tell you about it as much because Brent Rollins has had them work on his house and it looks great. I've been over there to see it, Brent. It's probably about time they come give it another look before the uh, season really gets going here. Yes, very much so. And multiple year sponsors of our program and love having them be a part of it and love having them come work in my yard when it's needed. I've done a lot of work myself recently, actually, but uh, like school projects, ag projects has turned into yard work for me, but uh, about time for the real guys to come. Connor grading. Yeah, one thing you always can count on with uh, Connor is the fact that they're going to give you that personal service, and you know certainly they're the pros, but they're going to con- condense your thoughts and put them in the in the right kind of situation and give you the best deal possible. And you tell them you're a Georgia fan, or even tell them you're an Alabama fan. They know this is around the league, so uh, <laughs> don't tell them. Don't tell them you're Florida. Though. Yeah. As always, that's just a standard rule around here. ConnorGrading.com if you want to learn more about Connor grading and landscaping. Uh, Brent, a team that I just feel like I haven't heard much about in the preseason is the Arkansas Razorbacks. An experienced quarterback. There's some skill guys there. A bit of an older team, I would say. Uh, playing Western Carolina, there's not even a point spread on this. But is Arkansas a team that could be dangerous throughout the schedule? Potentially, because – What's, what's going to be interesting is seeing them in a new offense and then also a new defense. And more importantly, the new defense. Because, you know, coaches talk long about what they used to do with the rush three, drop eight uh, type defense that they played and just getting shredded in certain, in a lot of games. And now they bring in a, a coordinator who plays a lot more aggressive style to the point where Pittman even said, hey, can we make sure that we have a safety back there? Like SEC media days, he's like, can we make sure we have a safety? But if I ask you who the highest graded returning quarterback in the SEC is, he plays for Arkansas. It's KJ Jefferson. And that's, I think that's one of, to me, just as much the benefit of NIL as anything is you see the ex- experienced quarterbacks coming back, uh, taking advantage of that. And I think that's going to him, Raheem Sanders at running back. It's just a matter of can their defense gel and then new offense, can all that gel quickly enough as they get into their schedule? You know, I look at this and I don't know. Every time I see KJ Jefferson run a quarterback sneak, he falls for three yards. So to me, I would just have him run the sneak half the time <laughs> and just see if they can eat the clock, especially with the new rules. Uh, Coach Mercer, the Bears are one and zero, but they're taking that to go play Lane Kiffin, and I assume Jackson Dart's uh, still starting quarterback there. But you have three quarterbacks in that room that Lane Kiffin has brought in the last two years. So I think you could see uh, multiple of those guys play. Yeah, Sanders, good player for uh, Oklahoma State. I mean, I was really amazed that he picked him up, but maybe he thought he was going to. But the biggest problem is his shoulder was hurt throughout the spring and he couldn't really know. But Dart had a lot of good games, but they folded like a blanket there at the end of the year last year. I mean, you know, had a good 
chance to win a couple games that would really put them eight and zero, and then they end up seven and five and win their bowl game. But uh, you talk about a guy that just parlayed that uh, season with and the interest that Auburn had in him for about nine million dollars a year. Good job by Lane. Uh, they they got a good running game uh, defensively, bringing in Pete Golden from Alabama. We'll just have to see how that meshes with their personnel. But uh, very tough schedule, though. I mean, they got to play Georgia in the crossover. Uh, at Tulane next week. Like, yeah. at Tulane. Like, that, that game's going to be tough. You mentioned that green wave. Tough. I mean, big win over uh, Southern Cal in the bowl game. Uh, watch out for green wave. I mean, they really got it rolling down there. So, uh, Ole Miss to me. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, potentially really good teams, but they got to do it, and they got to get good quarterback play. Let's go straight to Mississippi State, Brent. Mississippi State, uh, Zach Arnett, now the head coach, hosting Southeast Louisiana in his debut. Uh, just a, still a tough situation having to take over after Mike Leach's passing last year. Having a new style of offense, bringing in tight ends. Rylan Gody from Georgia's over there. What do you see from State? Because I think we're all learning at the same time, aren't we? It's just it's how do you define success in year one? I really, I mean, g- given what happened, the tragedy of that, and, and then also like you said you're now going sort of a 180 in terms of system because that was obviously unique to Leach and unique to his style. But I, what does success look like? Now, the biggest thing for them, I think, looking ahead at their team, one, they have an experienced quarterback, Will Rogers back again. But two, they have five of their first six games at home. And I think that combined with some, you know, the, the newness to everything hopefully can help get them put off on the right foot. But, the, you know, their defense is actually pretty experienced, and, and I think they're going to be fine defensively. It's just a matter of can they get into this sort of offense and system? Because Rodgers, by the way, three straight, three or four straight years of playing in that type of style, then now completely different. It's going to be interesting for him. Yeah, when you look at uh, the defensive background that your head coach has, I mean, he's really focusing his team based around his defense when he made this move to get away from the air raid and go to – more play action ball control offense and that's his that's his prerogative as the head coach but it's you know in a lot of ways they're trying to maintain the uh, Mike Leach image and all that there but their personnel uh, change as far as the way they're going to attack people is radical so it's either going to be really good and they take care of the ball and make a lot of first downs and their defense shuts people down or it's going to be not good. Coach, I'll stick with you. Vandy 1-0 after beating Hawaii at home again, hosting Alabama A&M. Yeah, I was disappointed in Alabama. Uh, I mean, in, in, in Vandy's pass protection last week. I think they really thought they were playing that Hawaii team that they played last year. And you got to give uh, Chang, the coach, a lot of credit because they, they got after Vanderbilt in, in this the stats are skewed because of the lost yardage plays on the sacks, but uh, you know they did a lot of good things against Vandy rushing the passer. Didn't cover the pass very well. Uh, looks like Vandy's personnel is upgraded, but uh, you, you would have thought they would have won that game a little easier. Alabama A&M shouldn't be much of a test, but uh, I guess they're more worried about getting the stadium finished than anything. Uh, final game for us, Brent, 7 o'clock ESPN, New Mexico's at Texas A&M. 
which just the variety of uh, offensive minds at A&M now with Jimbo and Petrino. And uh, it was Paul Feinbaum told me and coach, he had heard that Jim Chaney was playing a big role in that. He's an analyst. uh, He's up there. So A&M's a 38 and a half point favorite. So if the the interesting part about this team is when you look at just sheer talent, they have some of the best talent, Walter Nolan and the Stewart kid and Muhammad receiver and Anaya Smith. Like they have a lot of talent. It's just a matter of, and what's like, if you get the best of Bobby Petrino and the best of all these things that you have, you could have something. And, you know, that's one, like if there's a world where they're four and O and then, you know, they got Arkansas, I think it's at Arkansas maybe. And then potentially five and O hosting Bama. I think the game's in Dallas. But like Dallas or Houston one, I'm not sure. But like if if you're five and zero hosting Bama, like the world, like everybody loves you, everything's great. Like all the all the various you know, the Aggies are are happy. But it could also be one of those things where it doesn't go well whatsoever and goes completely into a dumpster fire situation. So it's going to be fascinating to watch. But know that like Petrino, every time he coaches offensive football, he pretty much he scores points. Like if you let him do his thing, he's going to score points. Well, One thing to watch: if they're getting delay of game penalties, then Jimbo's talking to Petrino. If they're not, then they're he's running it by himself. But, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like uh, New Mexico, from what I understand, complete turnaround. I think over forty transfers planned for him, so it'll be kind of a no scouting part there. You don't know what they're going to have, but. Uh, Coach Selfo's son uh, is a tight end coach. He gave me a little rundown on New Mexico. He said they had some good young players, but tough place to play the first game. Well, we are off and running here on Around the League. We'll be back every week to preview SEC football for that week. For the coach, Jim Donnan, and for Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focus, I am Dane Young. We can't do this without Connor grading and landscaping and Breda Pest, so make sure that you support the people who support us. We will see you all next Football's week. back. Let's go.